superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Rich Eisen Show. You don't have that like bookmarked at the oh, top of your I mean, the top I... of your Chrome. Live, live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Man of his word. I will take less. I will help the team. I want to keep playing. Voila. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ryan Lee. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan Lee. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show, hour number two. Rich and the boys are out on vacation, 4th of July weekend. Calls in the righty. Ryan, can you get in here for me? It's a bromance, everybody. We've developed a bromance. Uh, I love it. I love that he supports me this way and gives me the platform and opportunity to do this. Just got done talking to John Kime, ESPN DC reporter, about the Washington football situation, uh, the investigation, and the sanctions that were levied down. All about money. $10 million. Speaking about money, Michael McCann, Sports Illustrated legal expert, joins us now to fill us all in and educate me on the name, image, and likeness policy that was invoked at midnight on July 1st. Welcome to the show, Michael McCann. How are you doing, buddy? I'm great, great, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us. Um, This, this for me, was always a a no-brainer. It was inevitable, uh, just the evolution of everything. When I played in 1994 to 1997, didn't even cross my mind, right? When I saw my jersey hanging in the bookstore and people wearing it around, I just thought, damn, that's so cool. Or or my likeness on a video game, the NCAA football video game. I just thought that was really cool. But people realize, you know, how much money is being generated – and the NCAA, after being spurned by the Supreme Court, had no other decision than to approve an interim policy that removes the restrictions from athletes hoping to earn unprecedented money. Yeah, I mean, the NCAA was really in a bind. And, and, and obviously, you know, Ryan, you're, you had a tremendous college career and the chance to go pro afterwards. But think of all your teammates who, yep. who were just a notch below you, right, that never uh, had the pro career but were really good in college that could have could have generated significant earnings while while in school. They're, they're one chance to make money, essentially, in their sport. So this will open the door for athletes, football players, but but gymnasts and others, especially those with significant social media followings. And, and as you noted, this, the NCAA was in a tough spot after the Supreme Court's unanimous ruling. The NCAA could have gone to court in every state where an NIL statute was going to take effect on July 1 or governor's executive order but that was i think about 14 states and they'd have to get a restraining order in every state it just would have been real real tough for them to pull that off and they obviously 
weren't in the fighting mood after the Supreme Court ruling. So they they capitulated. They allowed uh, a policy that for years they had opposed. And now in every state, college athletes can sign endorsement deals, but also do things like sponsor camps and get paid to do an autograph and uh, things that may not make a ton of money, but provide some money for them. Yeah, I, t- I talked about it all week uh, uh, on my radio show about how um, after my scholarship check, if my parents wouldn't have helped me pay my rent in college, I, w- I would have had no money. There was no way for me to, to take a job. There was no way for me to afford anything else. So for those of you that think this is about millions and millions of dollars, it's not. This could literally be about 250 bucks a month extra for, guy- for guys and gals who are living on campus that will help them through a a a month with food and 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 other things there just to, to enjoy themselves while they're in college it's it's something that was inevitable and it was something that had to had to come down the pipe yeah and, and like you said it could be 250 bucks I mean, we're seeing a lot of companies get pretty good publicity probably for what they're spending on an endorsement by by linking up with athletes who maybe aren't well known outside of their college campus I, i've seen a number of athletes who I admit I haven't really heard of before until seeing that they sign these deals. And I think that that's just a sign about how there are so many different opportunities for different athletes, even if they're not huge names, even if they're not on ESPN and, and not, not going to a pro league draft, they still may have value or at least sort of attraction in, in their communities, or they've somehow cultivated a big following on social media. We know that that those with significant Instagram following uh, following amounts have have done really well so far so yeah it'll be it'll be a new 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 set of opportunities that will reward different kinds of athletes than we're used to seeing rewarded i think a lot of people saw this as a doomsday i think anybody does people fear the unknown that fear change it always is this has always worked our whole life this is what college the, the sanctity of college football or or college athletics and the amateurism part of it, no matter how some of the uh, um, um, you know, tragic stories of people losing eligibility and abilities to, to be a part of their team or losing, let's say, the Heisman Trophy like Reggie Bush, who's, whose family was compensated for, for what his son's name, image, and likeness was about. Um, for, those of those pe- for those people out there that see this as a doomsday, uh, you have probably have a better understanding that, like, this this isn't going to be as lucrative as, as a lot of people think. There may be a few players. You talked about me during my time in college. I had a pro career after that. There are others who their their highest possible marketability may be during those four years in college, and now their ability to ma- to maximize that to profit off that can be really life changing. It could give you a job out of college. It could give you a purpose moving forward. These are a lot of positives that can lead these young men and women out of college than before they, they didn't have. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cause it's easy to dwell on, uh, you, you know, you were the number two pick in the NFL draft, right? You were a superstar in college. What about the others? What about those that don't have that uh, sort of projection after school into a pro career? And this will allow those athletes chances that they, they literally will have no chance to make money on sports other than while in college because it will end when college ends. And, you know, the doomsday uh, sort of fear, one is that I just don't think it's true at all. I think most fans will be okay with college athletes signing 
endorsement dealers are, are getting paid to sponsor a camp back home, d- doing things like that. That is hardly sort of a, a major transformation of college sports, at least in my view. And the other thing is this. We, these college athletes already have a right of publicity. They're all, if you're an American, you have a right to make money on your identity. It's why cheerleaders, why esports players, why musicians, actors, artists, all of them could be college students, are able to make money because they have some special skill. And college athletes are in the same boat. It's only NCAA rules that have suppressed that right. So I would look at it, for those worried about it, it's really about liberty. It's about uh, sort of an American value that we're able to control our identity. So I, I would view it consistent with how things have been for a long time. In a way, it's almost going back in time to the way it would be, but for NCAA rules that entered the story. We're speaking with Michael McCann, Sports Illustrated legal expert. Um, this, this, for me, I think is phenomenal for local businesses. Like in these small college towns, you're talking about Norman, Oklahoma, Pullman, Washington, you know, uh, Madison, Wisconsin. These are small college towns that have local businesses that can get a ton more advertising. And this is what we're talking about. Now, this doesn't, this does, we're not talking about the, the, the national social media platforms that if you have a followership, you're going to be able to monetize yourself. The cameo.com of the world where you're able to, uh, go on uh, after a big game and have people pay for you to smack talk to the rival you just beat and things like that. Those are the things that, that are outside of this. But I really think local businesses for these small communities really can benefit from this. Not necessarily because they don't have to, you know, whatever their marketing budget is, it's limited, but they can help out these, these players to your point that may not be the superstars, but to help bring people in. Because when you're in a small college town, it doesn't matter. You can be the star of the football team as long as you are wearing that A on the side of your helmet in Tus- Tuscaloosa or that number on the side of your helmet in Tuscaloosa. You know, you're a star. You're a star in that town. You're a star in that state because there's no pro football team or anything like that. So I think this could be very, very good for local businesses being able to stay open in those local communities. Yeah, and Ryan, you got to think there's a great bang for your buck with doing that, right? Because now yep. when they do these deals, they get put on social media look at the deal they sign with, with so-and-so. Uh, it's probably hard for them to get that kind of traction through any other advertising. I wonder what it costs to do that versus paying for an ad on Google. It may be they save money doing this, and they, they sort of build goodwill by saying we're helping out a college student. Uh, there, there's a very good narrative, like you, just, like you talked about, for local businesses to probably not spend a lot of money and get a really good bang for the buck and help out a student who otherwise, uh, you know, could be in a position where they where they need some money, and this is a way of providing it. We're talking with Michael Mann, sports McMahon, uh, Sports Illustrated legal expert. Um, okay, we, we've 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 farmed out the positives. Now there's let's let's do the devil ad, devil's advocate here, and, and where can this be compromised? Uh, is there a booster that simply doesn't? You know, they take one picture of uh, a star recruit outside his Chevy dealership and and give him, you know, a hundred thousand uh, dollars to essentially come to, you know, the University of Oklahoma. Is that is that how this goes? Are there going to be some compliance in place to like, hey, that's not worth the market value. Hundred thousand dollars for him to stand in front of a your truck and be on a billboard is not worth that. But but who's to say what a, a business end believes? Uh, a worth of a marketing concept could be. I mean, who's gonna, who's going to, uh, you know, have 
have compliance over this and, and keep this in the straight and narrow. Yeah, it's, it's Florida's NIL statute has a as a market analysis component that's supposed to address that to make sure that it isn't an endorsement that's camouflaging pay for play. Right. Like you just said, you know, if, say it's a hundred times the market value, that would seem like not an endorsement, but really paying them uh, to stay at a school or come to a school. But although even that Florida statute doesn't really explain how it's enforced. So I think this will be an issue for, for compliance folks and, Right now, there isn't a good setup because the NCAA rules, the interim policy talks about not allowing that, but it doesn't say what happens. It doesn't say how do you decide what's an exaggerated market value versus what the real market value would be. I think it's going to be trial and error for a while, and I think those who are doing compliance at universities are in for a tough several months ahead. They're going to be busy. I'm sure – look at it this way – how many of them were notified about their their athletes signing endorsement deals? There were there were some announced literally right after midnight on right. Wednesday. I mean, right. I, I guess they were in touch, right? I mean, like, so it's already moving past the compliance folks, and I'm sure they're going to try to unwind that a bit. Uh, but it it is what it is. I mean, this is you know, the NCAA waited a dozen years. The Ed O'Bannon case began in 2009, so this was not a new issue for the NCAA. They they waited until the end and. When you wait until the end, usually you don't produce your best product. So the set of rules that are in place have some gaps. We're talking with Michael McCann from Sports Illustrated. Uh, he's their legal expert. So we, see, we saw a lot of former players come out in the last few days uh, and talk about um, what it would have meant for them. Also, the NCAA and some of the sanctions placed on these players who were found to have committed some issues. If you recall, you know, Johnny Manziel was suspended for a half of his first game because he was supposedly signed autographs for money. The biggest one out there is Reggie Bush was stripped of his of his Heisman trophy. Who who has been more of an electrifying college football player than than Reggie Bush over the last, you know, I don't know, four decades. It's been him. Uh and um the NCAA has simply uh acquiesced to this process, but it's not like they're looking at Anything that uh, that happened in the past that's grandfathered in is going to going to make any difference to them. What is your thought process on that? We we look at some of the the criminal aspect of things when laws are changed and and the uh, you know the the fortitude that that these people have gone through to wait and watch something like marijuana legalized somewhere and having spent ten years in prison because it was illegal during their time. Um, your thought process around records and guys that were were institutionally kicked out because of similar things that are going into effect now as legal. Yeah, this is something I've written about a lot of times over the years. And uh, I was with Sports Illustrated. Now, I'm now with Sportico, which, okay. which is a sports business publication. But, but, but to your point, this is, this is the issue of what happens when rules change and all the things that were in the past. Like you talked about, Reggie Bush example, I think, is the top of the list. He's like literally probably the most prominent college football player, at least that I can recall in the last two decades, I, I think in terms of his impact, in terms of his recognition, uh, what he would have made with name, image, and likeness probably eclipses certainly anyone in recent years. I, I know there have been others. Vince Young was one, another big player, but I've got to think he's at the top of the list. I think the short answer is he, he's sort of in a tough spot because there's it's hard to, 
at, at the time, those were the rules, right. and the NCAA hasn't retroactively said we're, we're going to go back. And I, I, I think it's just I know he's he's already criticized. Uh, I think he said, you know, where's my Heisman or something to yeah. that effect. It's, it's a fair point, but I, I don't I don't think there's a legal claim because at the time those were the rules. And and I, your, your point about marijuana, how people have been put in prison for marijuana now states are allowing it it's it sort of is what it is that that laws yep. change and unfortunately those in the past were, were life isn't fair a different set of rules yeah life isn't life fair, isn't fair. It's, it's how you problem. deal with it um uh before before we get you out of here uh, uh the who do you think who do you think um takes advantage of this most. Do you think it's going to be the star quarterback on a, on a big-time football team, or do you think it's going to be an obscure, um, maybe Olympic sport, uh, and, and probably from the, uh, the female sporting side because of, of the platforms that exist nowadays, like TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and things like that, where that's where, that's where somebody's going to take advantage of this the most? So I, I still think sort of the star quarterback or the Zion Williamson scenario, it's sort of the, the very elite in in men's football, me, football or men's basketball probably has a leg up just because of marketability. But I think what we're, we're in terms of making the most, my guess is that they're still going to do the best with name, image, and likeness. But I think what we'll see, to your point, is that they're going to be a, a wide spectrum of athletes who do very well with name, image, and likeness, and, and including Olympic sports and including those that have created a following on Instagram and TikTok and other social media platforms, that they're going to be in a position now to get paid or do cameo and things like that. So I, I also think as, as fans, as consumers, we're going to learn about more athletes than we're, we're used to. Right. That the average fan will now see see – individuals that we haven't necessarily been following so it's probably going to help uh, educate the world on sports too well we were spe- we were speaking with michael mccann from uh, you said sportico right that's where you moved on right. to um uh legal analyst there we want to thank you for your time educating all of us uh you know um i, I kind of like the idea that you know back in the day i could have made some cash and, and knowing that uh knowing that i didn't i'm not disappointed i love my time in college so i appreciate you taking the time today to educate us today michael thank you thanks ryan have a great day michael mccann everybody from sportico legal analyst filling us all in on nil name image and like us at the at the collegiate level we'll talk a little bit more about that cynthia freeland who's going to be our next guest talked to me a little bit about it yesterday very interested to see what that looks like in terms of data, data analytics, especially for guys that are going to make the jump to the next spot, which is what she covers at the NFL Network. Uh, I am, uh, she'll join us here in about five minutes um, from the NFL Network against Cynthia Freeland. Um, we'll talk to her about that and more here on the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf, filling in for Rich and the Boys. We'll be back in a little bit. Thanks. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I am not Rich Eisen. I am Ryan Lee, filling in for the big fella today. He is off today and Monday for this 4th of July celebratory weekend, as well as the boys are. Needed some much-needed rest. They call in the righty to fill in for these couple days. Happy to do it, as always. Love the platform that Rich offers me. And we welcome in uh, a definite friend of the show, definite friend of mine, from the NFL Network, Cynthia Freeland, data analytics expert, joins us here on the Rich Eisen. So good morning, Cynthia. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. As always, we love it. Um, there's so much we can get into you with. Uh, well, I just got off the phone with Michael McCann, uh, legal expert from Sportico around the NIL. And when you and I talked yesterday about coming on the show, you were really interested in how this was going to look and what, what kind of data analytics uh, this will add up to. Talk to us a little bit about what you think and what makes you so interested in this NIL and what the collegiate model is going to look like. Well, I just got back from a coaches summit where I gave an analytics presentation, but then got to listen to some really very amazing speakers from our, you know, our athletes first family talk about their experiences as, as athletic directors and a bunch of college coaches were there too, talking about what kind of changes they're already seeing. And it was kind of super timely because, you know, as the floodgates turned on yesterday, we don't really know what we're going to see, but a lot of sponsorships were already teed up. So I think that what's really interesting here is going to be the flow of kind of what's going to happen to schools like the ones I went to, Boston College and Northwestern, where, I mean, you're in big cities, their program has some academic standards that are sometimes more difficult to get in because the population of students isn't very big. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with all of that. And, you know, kind of at that same time, then how it impacts what we see going into the NFL, because now you have players who are used to having more autonomy and power and what are their expectations going to be as they enter the league? I was thinking about what that would have looked like for me, Cynthia, 25 years ago. <laughs> um, you know, I, don't, I, I just didn't care. Like, if they told us we had to play 17 games, I would have been, hell yeah. If they told me, oh, oh, the first time I ever saw my jersey up in the bookstore being sold and people at games walking around with it, and me on a video game being represented with the number 16 of Washington State, I was like, this is the coolest thing Ever Is it just the evolution people evolve, understand that they're being essentially taken advantage of? Um, I was always just so blessed that I got to go to college for free, that it didn't cost my parents anything, and I got to play football. Is it just a different perspective in people being in your ear and hearing it all the time that, hey, I'm owed this because of what my worth is in terms of what every other student on campus is able to do? 
Well, let me let me ask you a question. Uh, how many Twitter followers did you have at that time? Because I didn't have Twitter in college, and I went to college after you. And and ultimately, they don't know now what it's like to like the world that you and I grew up in is not what they're growing up in now. So it's kind of their expectation. And I don't believe that they shouldn't be paid in some form. I just think it's it's going to be interesting to see as the kind of Adam Smith invisible hand economics theory sort of takes over and you start to see things redistribute like all the different monetary aspects of it. It's going to be funky and it's going to introduce a lot of places where there's some exploitation. I hate the idea of like swarmy agents negotiating stuff and that and these kids having no idea what like the tax implications like right. these aren't specky things to talk about but they're real things like you and i know we have to pay our taxes every single year and you know when you're 18 and you're in college and you have eight, you know the first time living away from home and you've got an entire football season to think about and all the different meetings and schedules and everything and then on top of that there's just i don't know it just seems like there's a lot of opportunities for some jerks to try to capitalize off of you know people who don't have experience understanding this world well, what I assume is going to happen, and which, which I, w- I would suggest, is that, that these players are, are going to need to set up LLCs or S-Corps and, to help with their tax taxability uh, situation. I mean, that, that's the best way to go about it because the, essentially they're becoming a company. That's what, that's, that's what they're trying to do. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I had an agent show up. You know, agents were trying to sign me for when my post-college career happened. And, yeah, they, they, there was a sleaziness to it, you know. Um, and when you're a college kid, you're like, you, you feel like you're you're unbreakable, uh, that you're invincible, and and so whatever you want to do, uh, you, you roll with the punches. Especially when you don't have any money, you know that that when, when people come along and start uh, floating money in front of you, young kids don't know anything other than oh wow, I could have a car or a new stereo in my house. That's that's pretty pretty great. Yeah, and well, if you think about it, additionally, this just shows me from a business standpoint that. The NCAA waited way too long. They kept thinking, oh, this, this isn't going to happen. This is poor leadership from the NCAA because there's going to be so many traps right now that people are going to fall into. Like, who's to say what someone can, can pimp or not, right? Like, where's the, who's going to be the first guy that tries to do something with porn? Like, I, and I, and I, I don't want to solve those problems. I'm so glad I work in the NFL and not in NCAA. <laughs> so, like, I don't, have to, fans? I don't have to solve that. Right. Only fans. I think that's. I, I just learned about that. Oh this yeah, year. I forgot I, about. I didn't even know what that was until like a month ago. So I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> from from We're watching old. TV, I had to Google it. Don't We're Google old. it. Just We're old, don't. Cynthia. That's that's. But guess what? Cynthia Freeland, everybody from the NFL <laughs> Network, ran a mar. Did you you run a Did you run a marathon just recently? Yeah, I did in Duluth, Minnesota, which was like the most charming place. It was. I'm going to tell you if you're considering a marathon, it's called Grandma's Marathon, and it's so charming. You ride a train to the start everyone's super nice it's great i would highly recommend well my family's from minnesota and i know duluth really well so yes i know how charming it can be i uh, the running the 23 point whatever miles part of it um i'll, I'll take the train while you do it i'll be a part of the the charmingness of, of duluth with you but i don't think i can, I'm, I'm gonna run the marathon you know my two favorite marathon like my two other than i loved running the chicago and the new york marathons but my two favorite non-big city marathons have been Duluth and Missoula, Montana. So I yep. feel like I'm, you know, it's a connection we have. We, we like these. We're folksy. Your Montana backgrounds and and Minnesota. Yeah, we're folksy. We're folksy folks here living in Los Angeles. You on the beach, <laughs> me in Beverly Hills. I mean, come on, look, look how far we've come, Cynthia. Cynthia Freeland, everybody from the NFL Network, data analytics expert. Everybody wants to know about the NFL season coming up. You've been on top of it all in terms of analytics. One of the one of the, the interesting ones I, I, I read about you recently is, 
is the conversation you had uh, about the Bears' decision to draft Justin Fields. And uh, after you interviewed several NFL teams, in particular 16 of them, and they talked to you about their actual grades, this Justin Fields move by the Bears to move up to 11 to get him fit in with a lot of expectations of what scouts had for this young man out of Ohio State. I feel like about a quarter of the league, um, about eight coaches I spoke to, and now I've canvassed, I think I've gotten to all 32 now. So eight like of the guys I trust the most, coaches, scouts, like people who have been right, they have good track records. They have all said they had Justin Fields rated even higher than Trevor Lawrence, which was, I mean, surprising to me just because I feel like we've been hearing about Trevor Lawrence for like four years now. <laughs> like this guy, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be great. You know, I'll, and, and this is not to take anything away from Lawrence. It's just, that, you know, you just, when you hear about something so much and then they're like, no, no, Fields. It also always, as you know, depends on where you end up going. And I think it's a great fit with Matt Nagy. And, and by the way, Ryan Pace, they both need to make sure that they, you know, they, they want some job security. Like they're both, they need to make this work. So I think everyone's sufficiently motivated to kind of get it together. You looked at a lot of schedules, uh, in particular teams that are expected to finish high uh, in, in next year's uh, NFL season. One of them is the Green Bay Packers. Um, first off there, the variable in all your models has to just – it just it blows up completely, and you have to recalculate if the reigning MVP and future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers you know, calls the Packers bluff and doesn't show up and play, um, what that looks like. You talked about a stretch – uh, in, in games weeks 7 through 10 where they have uh, a very difficult stretch. That would be the time that he is obligated to come back if he wants the season to count in terms of his contract. Where are we at with that? And if he doesn't come back, if he's not part of this Green Bay Packers team, what does that open up to the NFC North end? Does the Minnesota Vikings then and the Chicago Bears become the teams that you're looking for? Because the Packers just have to slide down the list if, if their star quarterback doesn't go. You know, the other, actually, the of course, it's better for both the Vikings and the Bears, and the Bears kind of specifically, just kind of based on the dynamic of the, the schedule. But let's be honest, it actually also really benefits the NFC West, who plays the entire NFC North. But remember, that's a really difficult division to begin with because all four of those teams have something to like and some something to prove. So when I look to see kind of where the biggest uptick, it was like NFC West teams like, three of them make it to the, to the post. It's, it's amazing. So it was, it was kind of cool to see how that impacted it. I, I actually, for the first time ever believe Aaron Rodgers won't play. Like, really? I, you know, I, I think, he, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I don't have any exceptional insight other than what, you know, what has already been reported. Um, it just feels like I, he feels like he's a very principled person. And I feel like he's not, I just don't know if I think he's bluffing. Like, I, I just think he, you know, you like know, to go, you like to look into little things, you know, your little data points and things like that. I can give yeah. you, I can give you the lone reason why he is coming back next year. Yeah. You want to hear it? He re-upped his uh, membership at Milwaukee country club. You, but like, you, you, you don't do that. Him? You don't do that if you're not going to be in Milwaukee. That's just now. Hey, if he's willing to walk away for millions and millions of dollars, re-upping a, a, an annual membership at a country club probably isn't. You know, is probably chump change for him. But I, that for me, that for me is meaningful. That's a data point right now. I want you to give a ton of credence to when you put it into your next model. All right. Here's my question: Was it on auto renew, or did he have to like actually? Did he have to opt in, or did he just forget to auto renew it? You know, because that's the real question right there. 
Uh, he, you have to with at least for all the country clubs I've been, you had to you had to uh, make that decision uh, either in voice person or or electronically, uh, not just auto renewal. So this was this was a conscious choice on his part, <laughs> and you know uh, his 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 new fiance and him will be back in Green Bay. They will be leading this Green Bay Packers team. Uh, I would put it at because I'm with you on a lot of things. I think he is very principled. I feel like if he feels slighted in any way, shape, or form, he is a very, very good grudge holder. Um, I'm placing it at 75-25 right now. 75 he plays, 25% he doesn't. I mean, you're probably more right than me, but for for whatever reason, I just feel like he said it, and the less Gudikins gets fired, then he's not coming back. I don't know. I just, at I what point, Cynthia, I mean, you, you covered this from a different angle uh, at the NFL uh, Network. At what point is is it when they start losing games that Aaron Rodgers becomes the villain? Because the more and more we get to it with less things that have been leaked out, it just can't be that they didn't discuss it with him, that they cut a player that he was friendly with. There's, there's, those seem rather petty for somebody who's made $240-plus million in his career playing football, and you have somebody making the league minimum who's trying to fight his, his tail off to, to go to a Super Bowl, and the, the guy that was going to lead him is it looks like a petulant child going into the year. I mean, at what point does he become the villain to fans, and how does it affect his legacy? So now this is a very small sample size, but in Duluth there happen to be more Packers fans than Vikings fans for whatever reason. It's it is very it's it's actually closer to Door County than I thought. So when I looked when I was talking to some people, they're already over it. Like they don't even they're kind of like on moving on. Like they they're really they were not expecting him to come back and. They're not really mad at him. They're just kind of like, okay, next. It's amazing. Wow. It was amazing. So I don't. I also don't think like I really I feel like, like I have a, much more invested in this than these fans in Duluth, Minnesota, I know. which I makes me feel like so kind. Right. <laughs> they're just so kind. They're like, okay, what's next? Jordan. Lund, All right. Okay, uh, let's go. All right, we're talking to Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network, data, data analytics expert, uh, friend of the show. Uh, some of these choices in this year's draft, in particular for me, and. You know, you know my, you know my, pre- uh, uh, what I like uh, in terms of how you draft players and how you you pick them in free agency. I, I love passers. I love guys that protect the passer, and I love guys that that rush the passer. That's that's how you build a team. The Bengals at five had a uh, wonderful shot to take uh, an offensive lineman to protect their franchise quarterback Joe Burrow, who last year was let down by that liability, the offensive line, and had a horrific knee injury that he's had to battle back from this year. Instead, the team goes out and gets Jamar Chase, one of the best wide receivers uh, in this year's draft, um, instead of Panay Sewell, who would then fall to the Detroit Lions, who were ecstatic to get him. Your thoughts on (laughs) taking a Ferrari like that uh, rather than the minivan that can protect your franchise? You know, as much as I'd like to take the Ferrari and as much as I'd like to be like, I can't wait, that'd be awesome. There's no way, if I would have had anything to do with any draft or any anything that they were doing in their draft board, I understand making Joe Burrow happy by reuniting him with Jamar Chase, but there's no way in heck that I would have ever signed off on that pick over Panay Sewell. Uh, there's just, uh-uh. You have, Joe Burrow, he got injured last year. You're, you know this very well, like you, you can't, expect Joe Burrow to, if he's going to get hit all that many times, that's not going to, it's just a bad recipe. It's a bad recipe for connecting on passes. And by the way, that's how people get hurt. So I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. I, I like Jamar Chase. It's nothing personal against Jamar Chase at all. I just think you take, you got to protect 
you got to do whatever you can to protect Joe Burrow. And they did not do enough this offseason to, like, in any way convince me that taking Jamar Chase was a better choice than taking Panay Sewell, who was absolutely gigantic. Yeah. Went to uh, went through a deep dive last night on the 2017 uh, NFL draft because that's this is really the time that you examine drafts really about yep. four years after because all those people examine them right after the fact you have no idea how this is going to play out no. and uh, and if you go and look at the 2017 draft the amount of running backs that were selected in the late rounds that have been successful Aaron Aaron Jones was picked like 210th uh, Alvin Kamara in the third round I mean it, it's unbelievable it really showcases that I I I just implore teams who have first round picks when they have uh, positions on their team they need to address yes running back was one of them for the Pittsburgh Steelers and I love Najee Harris but they they didn't have their whole offensive line is gone and they have a 55 year old quarterback sitting back there that can't move and you go get a running back that's not going to help you because there's no holes to run through so I you know I, I keep you know imploring this you and I've had this conversation plenty of times I'm very I'm very adamant about you know, don't, and I'm a huge Steelers fan, so now I'm upset about it all, too, because I'm like, I love Najee Harris. He does amazing things. He's an amazing player. But, you know, what's he going to be to this Pittsburgh Steelers team that doesn't have an offensive line because they didn't address that in the draft or in free agency? Well, they had a very bad free agency situation from a cap standpoint, so that was part in part why. I, I understand taking Najee Harris because, you know, they're trying to really figure out this quick scheme and these quick passes and you know, obviously last year we saw Ben Roethlisberger just change his entire style and then teams caught up to it. So I'm completely with you. I mean, the O-line, if you're picking where they were picking, you knew you weren't going to get a a good, you know, there were a lot of O-linemen in this draft, but you weren't going to get a good selection of like maybe the one that you particularly wanted. So I think they should have created this, like I said, in, in, in free agency, that's, you got to figure out some, at least a a base of your O-line can't let everyone walk in free agency. So I'm completely with you. I didn't know you were just a Steelers fan. That's my like takeaway from this situation, but it's nothing against Najee Harris. It's just, I don't, I don't think he's going to live up to what they need him to do. Terry Bradshaw was my hero. I love the black and black and yellow grew up with it. Um, you know, born in 1976, watched, you know, I don't remember them winning titles, but I remember when family brought back the old, uh, you know, Iron City beer cans that were pictures of the teams, and they were just just plastered all over my bedroom growing up. So, um, I mean, you got the O five O six Super Bowl. Uh, yes, uh, I also have the heartache of being in college when they lost to uh, the Dallas Cowboys when Rod Woodson came back from the ACL injury. Um, oh, I love Rod Woodson's like one of my favorite human beings, like ever. He's great. I played against him when he was with the Baltimore Ravens on that on that Super Bowl team led by Ray Lewis. They were they were unbelievable. It was only sometimes when I played professional football, I was the kid in Montana growing up watching these guys. I remember when I played against Steve Young and Dan Marino the first time. I was just like, <laughs> like I went up and asked them for their autographs. Like after the game, like it was just it was it was odd. It was odd. Probably a big reason why I wasn't incredibly successful when I competed against oh, those guys. It. But no, I like that. That's endearing. Yes. Yes. All right. Cynthia, as always, thank you for joining us. You are the absolute best. I can't wait to see you again soon. It's been a while. I know. We gotta go we gotta go out and, you know, play some golf before before the season starts back up. I like it. I like it. All right, everybody. Cynthia Freeland, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network, everybody, data analytics expert. She's locked in. She teaches us a lot from different angles uh, uh, of the NFL concepts. Um, really like that. Uh, really like her input. 
When we come back, we'll uh, talk about the NBA a little bit. Uh, We'll talk about a few of the topics that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, And then we'll welcome in Kevin Arnowitz at the top of the hour, ESPN NBA writer, to talk about the NBA playoffs and when we get to the NBA finals. You're listening to The Rich Eisen Show here on Westwood One. I'm Ryan Lee filling in for Rich. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I am Ryan Lee filling in for Rich on this Friday, July 2nd, as he and his team are taking a well-deserved vacation break from the show over this 4th of July weekend. Uh, They called the righty. I step in for him anytime he needs it. Love the platform that affords me. Um, We've had a great show. Uh, John Keim, ESPN DC reporter, joined us in the first hour to educate us and fill us in on the Washington football team, the fine and sanctions levied against the team, as well as Daniel Steider, him stepping down, his wife taking uh, more of a upfront and center position as the co-chief executive there. Daniel will not be in the day-to-day to day to day stuff until October, they say. He still will be... Uh, a major player in you know picking the team's new name as well as looking for a um, um, trying to put together another another stadium. Um, at uh, at the top of the second hour, we had Michael McCann, who uh, is the legal analyst for, Sport, for Sportico, and he filled us in and talked to us a ton about the name, image, and likeness um, policy that went into play at midnight on July first for most. Uh, for all collegiate athletes, student athletes, and what it looked like, how it could be manipulated, and, and really um, all the gloom and doom from the NCAA and everybody else I don't think is warranted. Um, college football, college basketball, uh, any other sports, uh, they're going to be exactly the same. It's just going to be able to afford these young student athletes more of an opportunity to profit off their name, image, and likeness, as well as maybe set up a future for them in the uh, civilian sector. Uh, uh, in the public sector after they're done playing because 1% will go on and play professionally in some way, shape, or form. That's it. That's absolutely it. We just got done talking with Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network, uh, their data analytics expert. She talked to us about the NIL. She talked to us about um, the Justin Fields situation in Chicago and how he may have been the best all-around quarterback, at least to a quarter of the scouts and head coaches she spoke to. She spoke to 16 of them, eight of them. Half of them came back and said they had Justin Fields as their number one quarterback on the board. I had him as my number two. I had Trevor Lawrence as number one. You just, you, I couldn't get past the fact of how fundamentally and technically sound he is, how he's been at the top and considered um, the best in the expectations that existed for him ever since he walked out of high school. And he did not not meet them. Won a national championship in year one. Played for a national championship in year two played for the national champion or national semifinal in year three. Okay. He never lost a regular season game. He has not lost a regular season game since before high school or from like his junior year of high school or something like that. He better get ready for it. He's going to, he got drafted by Jacksonville, number one overall. He's going to uh, a team that is, is rebuilding or, or trying to find a new identity. They went out and hired a new coach in urban Meyer who has never Never had a sub-500 season. Not once in his entire coaching career at the collegiate level. 
he is going to hit that this year. He is going to be under 500. The closest he got was that 7-5 year in Florida. And what did he do uh, immediately after that season? He he resigned. He quit. He moved on. Um, when things have gotten tough for Urban Meyer in terms of coaching, uh, he has had a tendency to leave those situations. So we'll see how both of them do when they have to deal with adversity, like real adversity, like, you know, 6-11 and 11 type of adversity and getting hammered every week in the newspapers, you know. I think Trevor Lawrence has the same kind of mindset and ability as Peyton Manning. I think they are very much alike. If you recall correctly, everybody, Peyton Manning was 3-13 and 13 his rookie year, okay? It was, he led the league in interceptions. And then I believe it was one of the biggest turnarounds ever. They went from three and thirteen to thirteen and three, and he really changed the environment in Indianapolis. And I do think Trevor Lawrence has that ability. I do. The only problem is sometimes it's systemic, and when I say that, it, it it's organizationally like um, there's an issue there. They went to an AFC Championship a few years back. And then just absolutely imploded after that. They got rid of everybody who was great on that defense um, and have not been back since. They now have a new head coach, and they're hoping for you know greener pastures along the way. We'll see how that plays out. Um, I love the Justin Fields pick. I think what the Bears did in making the decision to uh, step away from Mitchell Trubisky after year four, two playoff appearances, and Matt Nagy's and Ryan Pace's possible lame duck year, I think was aggressive and smart. They moved up and grabbed who I thought was the number two overall quarterback in this year's draft uh, and, and have really put him in a position to be successful. Andy Dalton, who has had a very successful NFL career, played in multiple playoff, uh, has multiple playoff appearances with the Cincinnati Bengals, had a lone pickup year last year with the Dallas Cowboys, and now is in a, a system familiar to him. He can help Justin Fields along, and if Justin gets the go-ahead early, uh, will be a great support for the young man out of Ohio State. I think it was a great pick for them. Um, five quarterbacks taken in the first round, and uh, all in the top 15. Not all of them are going to be successful. If I had to give you uh, a couple examples, I'd say it's going to be Trey Lance and, and Mac Jones, simply because of where they went. Uh, I, 75% of it is about where you go. It really is. And you just went to two organizations that have showed – uh, they can compete. Uh, they've been uh, at the top of the game for, for years and years and years in this, in this league. Speaking about being at top of the league, not the same at the NBA level, right? Not the same as normal. The Milwaukee Bucks, Atlanta, Fal- Atlanta Hawks, and the Phoenix Suns. We'll talk to Kevin Arnowitz, ESPN NBA writer, next to hear all things NBA playoffs. You're listening to The Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back.